eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on. Fifth Avenue face-off. It happened. Dear Lord, it happened. Welcome into another edition of Fifth Avenue Face-Off. Feels like we've been very busy this summer, doesn't it? Because we have been. I'm Chris Mack. You're watching on YouTube on the 93.7 The Fan channel. Uh, Be sure to click that little notification bell to be notified as soon as new episodes are up. Or you're listening on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Be sure to tap those three little dots in the upper right-hand corner of your Odyssey app and ensure that you're following Fifth Avenue Faceoff to be notified as soon as those new episodes are available or you're listening wherever you get your favorite podcasts. However you do so, we appreciate you listening. Please follow, rate, review, let everyone know what a fantastic five-star podcast this is as we now rapidly approach, now a little more than a month away from training camp and two months away From the start of the regular season and the Pittsburgh Penguins roster is set because they went out and they did it. They got Eric Carlson. The trade goes like this. The San Jose Sharks receive the Penguins 2024. So next summer's first round draft pick. It is top 10 protected though. So if it ends up being in the top 10, it will stay with the Penguins and it would go to next year, the following year's first round pick. But let's cross our fingers and knock on wood uh, that there is no top 10 draft selection uh, for the Penguins next year. That would be a bad indication of how things went. Anyway, 24 first rounder, Mikhail Granlund, who we thought they were going to have to buy out, Jan Ruda and Mike Hoffman of the Montreal Canadiens. They all get shipped to San Jose. Where did the Canadians figure in in this, Chris? Well, They're rebuilding as well. They get the Penguins' 2025 second-round pick. They also get Jeff Petrie. They also get Casey DeSmith and Nathan Legare. So they get a middling forward prospect, solid backup goaltender, and a defenseman they are well acquainted with. If you remember Jeff Petrie and the way he tortured the Penguins in that qualifying round series in the bubble in 2020 when he was a member of the Montreal Canadiens and probably helped ensure that he would get that deal from Ron Hextall in the pens when he became a free agent. So Montreal gets a second rounder two summers from now. Petrie, DeSmith, Legare, San Jose gets a first rounder next summer. Granlund, Ruda, and Mike Hoffman from Montreal. The Penguins get 
a 2026 third round pick. Okay, that's great. Dylan Hamilook from the Sharks system. Rem Pitlick, depth forward from Montreal. So a little more, a little more grit, a little more goal scoring grit as well for the bottom six, if that's where he ends up. And of course, the crown jewel of this whole thing, Eric Carlson, reigning three-time Norris Trophy winning defenseman. And just like that, your top four is arguably the best. I want to say I'm going to give too much probably to Marcus Pedersen and Ryan Graves here. It's at the very least one of the top three, I think, in the league and has the potential to be the best top four on a blue line in the National Hockey League because of the offensive capabilities of Chris Letang and Eric Carlson and the defensive abilities of the guys they will be playing with, Marcus Pedersen and Ryan Graves, who I just mentioned. What's that mean for the third pairing? We can get into that a bit. Uh, We can also talk about how this actually gets implemented on the power play with Eric Carlson and just how mad or not Sharks fans may be after getting absolutely fleeced. Uh, Their GM, Mike Greer, getting fleeced by Kyle Dubas in this deal. Let's talk to our good friend Dan Kingerski of Pittsburgh Hockey Now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And there he is, speak of the devil, and he shall appear. He's not devilish, really. Although, I don't know sometimes how he's in so many different places at the same time. So there is some black magic involved. Dan Kingerski of Pittsburgh Hockey Now and the Hockey Now Network. Uh, Dan, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about this. I mean, look, it felt more and more like it was going to come to fruition over the last three to four weeks. And there was a certain amount of inevitability to it, I guess, in some people's minds, but it was still one of those things talking about the Eric Carlson deal that I wasn't ready to believe was as close to going down as it was until it actually, well, went down and it's down. It's, it's happened. And somehow Kyle Dubas pulled it off. Yeah. Speaking of black magic, huh? All of our bad players for your good player. (laughs) Who wants some garbage cap hits? Come get them kids. You know what? Um, I honestly, I mean, I I said this other places too. I didn't think the trade would get done. I just, and I mean, I'm speechless a little bit because, hey, you know, we want to trade Jeff Petrie. There isn't a great market for him. We want to, you know, trade Mikhail Granlin. Otherwise, we have to buy him out. And all of these things just kind of aligned perfectly for Kyle Dubas. I don't know if this guy you know, has some pictures on some GMs or, or what, man, that was, that trade might've been the biggest fleece since 1991. 
Yeah, it's and it's uh, you know I guess that's why so many people, including yourself, thought, well, there's no way this gets done. They just, or at the very least, no, I don't think anybody could foresee it getting done the way it did, right? Like I, yeah. my, for my, myself thought, okay, um, once the O'Connor thing gets worked out, they'll have a few days to figure out the nuts and bolts of buying out Grandland and how they want it, how much cap space that gives them. And then that'll get, you know, give them the ability to take on more salary from the Sharks and, you know, and that they'll find a dance partner for Petrie and all the things that had to happen you figured would happen in sort of different segmented areas and, and would pile up. And then all of a sudden the fruition would be, Oh, okay. We can make the Eric Carlson deal now. And then maybe it would get done, but instead to offload, like you said, all our bad stuff for the one good thing we've been looking for. I think it gives you an idea of just how long Kyle Dubas must've been working on this thing. And I guess that's my next question for you. Dubas alluded to his time in Toronto and how long he's been sort of chasing the dragon, as it were. And he he finally was able to grab him by the tail. Just how long do you think he's had his eyes on Eric Carlson? And how far do you think he was willing to go to get this done? You know, I, I don't know how long he's had his eyes on Carlson. I, I can't say I followed Toronto that closely. Mm -hmm. But certainly, you know, it was never a big rumor. So if he had his eyes on him, it was, you know, the occasional tire kick more than it was maybe an aggressive pursuit or or perhaps it never even got to that stage because uh, Brendan Shanahan said, nope, no, not not a chance. Right. Right. I mean, how he pulled this off without giving up any of P.O. Joseph, Marcus Pedersen, um, not even Drew O'Connor. Yeah. yeah. Owen Pickering, any of the guys, uh, Jaeger, the, the, yeah. the young prospects. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, it's quite uh, remarkable. And, and I think uh, we're turning the page now to begin to maybe distill what the Penguins are going to have in, in October. What's it going to look like with Carlson Latang, or will it be Latang Carlson? Because I think Latang's better in the defensive zone yeah. and, than, than Carlson is. I, you know, I think you know, in the final couple minutes of a game, you know, I, I think Latang is probably the guy you want on the ice more so than than Carlson so you know I think all of that stuff now that that this process is, is over with you know we, we get to you know look forward a little bit but boy it, what a different team you know even you know three weeks to to remake this roster as Dubas has it, it's darn near extraordinary yeah, that's the thing that really, you know, I talked about sort of the offseason happening in segments and perhaps the buildup to a Carlson deal could have been had in segments and then all of a sudden the fruition. It does feel like we've gone from, what, July 1st? It's been a five weeks now. Okay. Five weeks. And, and I mean, that that sounds like a long time in offseason terms, but when you think about it, five weeks in the course, in, in changing the course of where the final few years, the trajectory of where the final few years of the big three were headed, he got it done in five weeks, Dan. I mean, that's, <laughs> he remade the bottom six. He uh, reinforced the top four on defense in, in the most massive way he possibly could. Remade the backup goaltending situation for what that's worth and recommitted to the starting goaltending situation in a big way. I mean, the path is now charted. The one thing we all complained about, fans, analysts, reporters, everybody complained about with Ron Hextall was, what's the plan? We have no, we, we can't tell which direction he wants to go because he seemingly vacillates from day to day, week to week. And 
it's clear now, if nothing else, Kyle Dubas had a plan and he worked that plan, at least from, from our eyes on the outside looking in, to near perfection over the last five weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, the thing with Hextall was, I don't know that he necessarily didn't have a plan, it's just that it, it didn't work. I mean, getting Jeff Petrie a year ago, we thought, oh, that's a that's a pretty good get. They went and got Jeff Petrie and... You know, Jeff Carter did come in and and looked pretty good until he, you know, signed the contract. And, you know, within a few months, it, he went from big Jeff Carter to uh, Jeff Carter, <laughs> you know, and uh, Ricard Raquel. And, and so, yeah, there was kind of um, adding good players, maybe not necessarily the right players. You know, the, the, the team speed went so far and so dramatically downhill under Hextall. You know, I, I think the, the thing if you look at all of Dubas's UFAs, you know, the bargain guys like Matt Nieto and Vinny Hinestroza, not all of those guys are going to make the NHL. You know, the mm-hmm. one or two of the three or four probably get to, to stick in the big show. But they are all fast. If nothing else, a center gets the puck on a stick near the red line, he dumps it in, and the bottom six wingers can go get the puck. And that wasn't the case for the last right couple of years and i think that little change is gonna you know flip the dynamic if if you just kind of go by just raw data raw numbers if you can flip the puck possession five percent seven percent in your favor what a huge swing because now you're giving Sidney crosby and getting malkin that many more chances with the puck on their stick in you know in the good parts of the ice and you know, I, I guess it wasn't necessarily rocket science, but somebody had to do it. Yeah. And, and you know what? This this kind of loops back on a conversation I've had with multiple people throughout the playoffs, right up through the Stanley Cup final and into the offseason. Look, every sport, every everything in life is, is a copycat to a certain extent. Everybody's trying to bite a little piece of what works from somebody who's making it work and make it work for themselves. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, I think Vegas was a good example of it. I think... We've seen multiple teams. I think Tampa over the last few years has been successful at this. It's not always about maintaining puck possession, although ideally everybody would love to maintain puck possession through the yeah. neutral zone. It's about it, it, it's about allowing yourself to compute that, well, there are going to be times where we're not going to – not every possession is going to be a rush back through the neutral zone. It's going to be dependent upon us regaining possession of the puck in the offensive zone. And you can't do that if you're not as fast as the other guys. And that's a great point you make. But then, you know, as I was re- reconciling myself to that over the course of the summer, and, well, this team got a, uh, got faster, and they're going to be able to, you know, repossess the puck in the offensive zone, as you just talked about with some of the players they added. Along comes the Carlson edition. And now we're talking about, well, maybe we won't have to go chase it as much as we thought. We are going to be able to skate it through the neutral zone. And so it loops all the way back around to, the Penguins seem more prepared to play the way the rest of the league is playing right now, while also still embracing what is at their core, which is where the guys with the puck on our stick, man. And we're going to skate it up and out and through the neutral zone and into your zone. And yeah, it's not going to work every time and we will have to chase it down. But when you add Carlson, when you've got either Eric Carlson or Chris Letang on the ice, 75, 80% of the time, you're not going to have to go chase it as much. You are going to be able to carry that puck through the neutral zone. And that's what I think immediately launches in a a big way as a part of launching this team back into cup contention. We can still talk about the goaltending and whether it'll be healthy or effective enough come the postseason. 
That's completely unrelated to Eric Carlson, I think. But as far as this team being able to do what it wants with the puck, when it has the puck, I think they're right back to where they were three, four, five years ago in being able to not just possess it, but also go get it when they need to. Um, without getting too far into the weeds, mm-hmm. uh, in March, Mike Sullivan kind of gave me one of those very subtle but heavy answers when I asked a question about team speed and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I, I've kind of shared it with some of the people that I know you have on the podcast, you know, kind of privately because it didn't make for a great sound bite, and, you know, explaining it would have taken, you know, thousands of words. I've kind of dropped it, you know, it, in articles here and there. But what Mike Sullivan said, and, you know, he's always got his, kind of his finger on the pulse of where the game's going. It's one of mm-hmm. his strengths. Is It's like the game is moving towards a puck pursuit game rather than a puck possession game. Right. And, and so kind of what that means is not, you know, the, the Penguins aren't going to possess the puck as much as they did five years ago, like, like 2016, they just took the puck and you weren't getting it back. Right. You, know, you, you could chase them around the ice and, you know, they would smile as they, you know, stepped behind you and, you know, exposed you and embarrassed you and all of that. Uh, but now with the increased team speed, they can make it a more difficult game for their opponents to play that 200 feet by getting it in deep and then hounding them up the ice. You're going to, you're going to see more turnovers. Uh, I think maybe, more counterattacks uh also you know in addition to Mm -hmm. uh, more rushes so yeah i mean everything you said is correct they will have great puck possession with eric carlson but i think you're also going to see um you know an extra layer as as the game evolves and you know everyone's faster now you're going to create those turnovers by the back checks and and be able to attack from the red line in uh you know kind of shorten the ice which you think of Sidney Crosby's game. If you shorten the ice for Crosby, if you give him, you know, a 75 foot ice surface, man's going to burn you. Yes. A lot. So, you know, I think those are the, are the positives from the Carlson deal. It's also, I think going to be interesting to see how they implement Carlson on the power play. Uh, the very basic thought, basic answer is, well, put him up top and whether it's with Latang or, you know, he and Latang splitting duties up top. I mean, Carlson is going to have to be out there on the power play. It's where he's most effective. So do you see any impediments? I've had people uh, mention to me on on social media, Dan, well, you know, I, can, can Malkin adjust to this? Uh, fewer opportunities for he and Sid. You know, I, I don't see, I understand the power play is the vanity project for every team in hockey, right? Everybody wants to be set up for their one timer or their move or in their most comfortable spot on the ice. But I don't see how this lends itself to any greater issue other than the occasional shorthanded opportunity going back the other way, because we do know about Carlson's deficiencies in that area. Um, But if it means this is a 25, 26, 27% power play all year, which I don't think is out of the question, then it's, it's all worth it. And implementing it and figuring out how you do it, I think will be more difficult, to be honest, the first couple of weeks of the season without Jake Gensel than it will be once he's back and everybody can find their home. I don't know that Jake Gensel is that integral to the power play that he can't be replaced. I mean, he he spends a lot of time at the net. Mm-hmm. I mean, a five foot ten, hundred and eighty pound guy taking that much abuse near the net. I, maybe they can find somebody else to do that for a little while. It's an idea. <laughs> You know, he is kind of, you know, a really smart guy and and can distribute, you know, when they kind of go to the pinwheel. 
via down low or, or in the slot, but or, or I guess bumper would be right. the new term for it. But um, I, I think the, the biggest adjustment will be it's been Chris Letang for so long, right, that Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and whoever else is on that power play knows exactly what's going to happen, even as they're improvising. You know, they're, you know, they're like the broken lizard troop at this point. So, um, you know, Carlson's going to shake that up. I think at worst they stay, you know, where they were last year. I do think they're going to have to figure out who goes to the net front because Carlson isn't going to dilly dally or dather, you know, at the top of the zone. Right. Like Latang does. And, and he's going to enter the zone with more speed more often, I think, than Latang does. I mean, Latang's good at it. Carlson's great at it. So, you know, I think those improvements are going to maybe make the Penguins' power play faster, or at least you hope it's going to make it faster. What I think we're, we can all count on is it, 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 at least, I'll, I'll give it before Thanksgiving, if not before Halloween, we will get the calls of splitting up the power play. Give me two equal units. Give me a Sid unit. Give me a Gino unit. Give me a, a Sid and Tanger power play and give me a Gino and Carlson power play or whatever the combination is. Yeah. Give me one with Raquel and one with Gensel. Give me this. Give me that. Give me Riley Smith out there. I mean, people are going to come up with all their different combinations. You talked about the net front. That's why I brought up like a, a Riley Smith or I don't know what direction they'll go no, uh, w- without Gensel out there, but it, there will be with with this much talent. There will be the calls from people saying, "Well, if, if you just split it up, and it's you know they each get sixty seconds, and they get out there and they get to go one hundred and ten percent, and then they just, I, it's not going to happen. I, I think we can we can safely assume that. Yeah, but, I think very few teams do that because you you sometimes need longer to get into a rhythm and right. You're, you're changing up too quickly. The guys get frustrated and angry, and I think that's when problems happen. But please continue. No, I, I, just, I just you're absolutely right. Sometimes it takes this team sixty seconds just to get into the zone on the power play. So you're not going to see that happen. But I, I do think it's going to to lend itself to what will be an interesting conversation. Assuming Carlson gets off to a solid start, or maybe Latang gets off to a solid start. Maybe they both, but. Yeah. Uh, there will be a big comparison now. And look, we know the fan base is full of Latang haters, people who it doesn't matter what. No, 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 never heard any from any of those that, it, you know, the second Chris Latang turns a puck over they're they're, they're shipping him out. Um, the future, uh, I guess, Hall of Famer, future, future potential Hall of Famer. Oh, I, I think um, he's in the Hall of Fame pretty easily. Yeah. Um, but there will be people calling for his head. And then the first time Carlson makes a mistake calling for his head, um, it, it's just going to be interesting to me. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about the, the not balance of power. Cause it's not a power struggle. That's a, not the right way to put it, but the dynamic between Latang and Carlson and the playing time up top and how it trickles down to what is now yeah. a, a sort of half forgotten third pairing. And just what that, the, 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 I'll, I'll use the phrase balance of power looks like on that blue line throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I think we've seen some teams try to stack the blue line over the last 15 years or so. It's been much easier when they do it from a defensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going back to Anaheim when they yeah. stacked uh, Pronger and Niedermeyer and they were impenetrable. And St. Louis, uh, you know, kind of did the same thing. And Vegas this year, you know, stacked their blue line. They had some offense, but, you know, by and large, it wasn't a competition as you got the puck. They were all you know, very capable defenders. Right. It didn't work so well with 
offensive defenseman trying to stack it like uh, you know san jose proved that was the rebuild plan was carlson burns mm-hmm. Whoops. you know here we are five years later and you know both are gone and and they're much worse off for it uh i, I don't know where where it really goes i i think you'll what you'll see i think the logical thing that a coach has to almost try right is an almost even split of okay you're gonna play your 21 minutes you're gonna play your 22 minutes depending on how the special teams you know break down i think we'll see more penalty killing for chris letang Mm -hmm. if carlson takes the uh the number one power play you know so i think you know you'll see those two guys play 22 i guess maybe 22 23 minutes each and then whoever the third pairing defenseman uh is whether it's chad ruedel or or who your your facial expression probably uh, <laughs> for those not watching on YouTube and just listening to the podcast, <laughs> it was your cringe face emoji, just all teeth and and, and neck yeah. veins. Well, I, I think that I mean, yeah. If, if there's if, if there was a downside to the trade, and and I don't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of trying to stack an offensive blue line like they're doing. But if you're going to do it, they did it well. Yeah. But the downside is now your third pairing is PO Chad Ruedel. May, yeah, you you almost made the cringy face. I, I almost did it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time you mention Ruedel, my face just in, instinctively. <laughs> but no, I think there is is certainly room for uh, upgrade or, or improvement there. Yeah, and, and you know, and that kind of affects everything. I forget what the original question was. We've just been tangent. No, we're, yeah, we're tangent tangent generally. That's a big word that I don't know how to use properly. Uh, going all over the place, which is the fun of this, um, because you mentioned. The plan in San Jose years ago was Carlson Burns, right? Yeah. And I want to circle back around because you've got sure. your guy, your guy Sheng Peng, who covers the Sharks for San Jose Hockey now out in Northern California. I haven't had a chance to catch up with him. I don't know if you have or not since everything went down, but I guess you have. The, the, so what is the immediate reaction in San Jose and amongst Sharks fans? Is it, oh my God, what did Mike Greer just do? Is it, oh my God, he is, is it more of a, what did Eric Carlson do to us kind of vibe? Is it, I can't believe they caved. What, what is the thinking if you're a Sharks fan right now, seeing what came back for what was your, your centerpiece? It's been oddly muted. Hmm. Um, I haven't heard, I haven't seen a lot of anger. I, I think there's been enough. I mean, you know, you don't boil a frog by tossing it into boiling water you gradually increase the temperature, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Sharks fans have kind of gone through that process. Uh, they have to be disappointed. I mean, there's yeah. just no two ways about it. You're getting Mike Hoffman and Mikhail Granlin. You, you've basically punted this coming year. I yeah. mean, poor Shang is going to have to cover an awful hockey team. <laughs> I mean, just that team is going to stink. Um, uh, I think Alex uh, Stalock might kind of get some time as their one a goalie and yeah it, it's gonna be that bad yeah out there i don't think mike greer has done himself any favors here his gm resume to this point with this trade but no i mean sharks fans are not a a large group to begin with true and and this this last six months has probably taken a good chunk away from them too yeah. I mean, the writing was on the wall, I guess, to an extent, but 
to see it scribbled up in crayon rather than painted beautifully like a Picasso, I'm sure is, is painful for them. Now back to Pittsburgh. And this is the immediate question. Uh, the, the, the red hot sports takery uh, had to throw out. And I think it's, it's valuable because it's at the core of why this deal was made. It's, does this make this team a Stanley Cup contender? The Pittsburgh Penguins adding Eric Carlson. I'll loop back onto some a point I made earlier. Mm-hmm. The goaltending is a huge question mark still. Um, and it's hard to say that Eric Carlson and Eric Carlson alone, the addition of him and the sub- subtraction of Granlund, Petrie, and Ruta um, is enough to make up for whatever may happen on the back end with Jari. But I will say this, Dan, and I don't know how you feel about it. If they get to April and Tristan Jari is healthy and has proven himself to be effective, the kind of all-star caliber goaltender we've seen more often than not, to be honest, in his tenure with the Penguins, then I feel confident that this is at least a conference finals team and that getting the, the big three, and I don't know if we include Carlson as one of the big four now, but getting the big three one more trip to the Stanley Cup final is not just not out of the question, it should be the expressed goal and there should be a level of disappointment if they don't get there in the final few years of the big three. Boy, that's uh, that's a lot of pressure you just put on them, Chris. I mean, look, the Eastern Conference is is really good. Stacked, right yes. Now. Yeah. I mean, Boston's going to have a big fall off. Okay, we take them kind of out of the mix. But um, just the Metro Division, the Islanders are really good on paper. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's a disconnect going on with the ice, but if, you know, if the train cars get hooked together, that, you know, that's going to be a pretty powerful locomotive out there. Right. Obviously Carolina is good, although their goaltending has, has been maybe a bit uh, suspect and, and the Rangers have a lot of pieces. So the, the Penguins could be very good and still lose in the first round. Like yeah. uh, they did a, a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I also think we saw Sidney Crosby wear down a little bit to the end of, of last season. So I, I think coaches are going to have to be a little bit mindful of putting too much on their top two centers who are now what, 36, 37 years old. You, you can't ride these guys into the ground in, in the first half. Uh, you know, this is Chris, I, I, I haven't written about if the Penguins are cup contenders or not yet, because I, I honestly haven't decided this is such a stark departure in terms of building a team, what we've seen from the last handful of, of Stanley Cup winners mm-hmm. who have been Washington and St. Louis, even Colorado, as great as they were up front, they were kind of a, a stout back end. You know, yeah. but you know, Kale McCarr, obviously excluded, they were, they were still kind of a defensive blue line. And, and Vegas, obviously, kind of had that, that same makeup. This is a 180. Either Kyle Dubas and the Penguins and Mike Sullivan are going to once again kind of reinvent the game. Uh, they can also just as easily have egg on their face in a year. Yeah. If, you know, if teams get the lead on them, can they come back or can they defend their own net in the final 10 minutes of a game? With, That's the, yeah. With Eric Carlson, Chad Ruedel, and Chris Letang kind of, you know, kind of going through that that sort of cycle. It's, it's going to be wildly fascinating if nothing else. How's that? Uh, I don't know if they're cup contenders or not though. It's, it's definitely rolling the dice and gambling on winning a lot of four, one hockey games or five, two hockey games. Yeah. 
and if they don't have the puck 60% of the time, they're going to be in trouble, I think. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's it's rolling the dice on that and and leaving yourself to be honest a little exposed in what has become as you point out over the last 5 years or so the I'll do air quotes with my fingers here again for those not watching <laughs> a proper way to win in the playoffs which is lock it down and scratch and fight and claw your way to three goals. Um and that's that the way this team is constructed now is it's not constructed to do that. Now, I will say this, if nothing else, this is in this is this is getting back to that the 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 strongest strand of DNA in the Pittsburgh Penguins franchise uh makeup. And that is if nothing else, we're going to entertain you. If nothing else, you're going to want to buy a ticket or sit down and watch us on any given night because we're not playing a left wing lock. We're not trapping the neutral zone. We're not going to stand in front of our goaltender with a bunch of redwoods and just chop you down rush after rush after rush. We are going to attempt to score more than you because that is the object of the game is to score more than the other guy. And damn it, if that means we got to win games six to five, then we'll win those games six to five. Yeah. And you will have, if nothing else, you will be strapped in for one hell of a wild ride in watching us. And that is that, that at the core of the Penguins' DNA as an organization over the last 40 years now, that has always been what they have been about. Do you think the fans will respond in kind? I, I honestly don't know. I There is a, a large part of me that thinks the Atlanta Braves syndrome has mm. set in with this fan base. And by by that, I mean, you, know, you recall when the Braves won, what was it, 12 straight division titles? Yep, but just one World Series. Yep. Yeah, before the wild card and, you know, 20 teams made the playoffs in baseball, you know, basically, you know, they, they kick out the pirates and whoever else really stinks. Um, you know, Atlanta fans by 10, 11, 12 had checked out. Yeah. Like, yeah okay. If you make it to the world series, let us know. I, I get a great sense of, of apathy or, or, or fear. I, from the I, I would agree with apathy certainly over the last two to three years. You know, I think the lockout, or not the lockout part, the pandemic uh, and playing in the bubble and everything that went into that year and the following winter, I think accelerated that, that sense of apathy. Ah, I can sit at home and watch them and maybe I don't necessarily need to go out of my way to get tickets. And that's why it's right about the time we saw the sellout streak end and all that. Yeah. But I do think it, it was rolled into, are these guys going to win another one? And it, it, let me know if they, if they, like I said, if they get to the conference finals, let me know. Okay. Or if they, you know, if they play the flyers in the playoffs, let me know. But other than that, like, I, I, I do think you make a really good point about apathy there that has built, that has settled in over the last four or five seasons. I think this is enough. If they can get off to a decent start Yeah. that when we look up around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, people, a lot of Pittsburgh sports fans, you and I both know, will we'll have kind of a side eye to the Penguins while they're focused on the Steelers. Uh, but if we get to January and this team is right there at the top of the standings and doing it in a way, as we just described, that has always been the main thread in their DNA in an entertaining fashion. Eric Carlson's got, you know, 15 goals at the break and, and they, they look like what we expect them to look like then I think people will re-engage in a big way, especially once football season is over and we'll have that sort of energy 
but it will there will still be i'll admit this much there will be that guarded optimism or maybe you could look at it a different way it's it's a a cynicism built in from the last few years and a lot of fans it'll say yeah it's nice it's fun that's good oh they're near you know they're battling for the top of the but, metro but they haven't won a series in 5 years 6 years and that and look it's a fact you can't argue it they haven't won a series since 2018 and they haven't been back to the conference finals since winning the back-to-back cups. So until they the fan bases differ, isn't it? The it Steelers is. haven't won a, 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 you know, a playoff. How many playoff games in the last, what, 12 years? One? One, yeah. Yeah. And you, you don't hear that every day from a majority of the Steelers fans. But I hear that every day from Penguins fans. And it's, it's you know... I, I do hear a good bit from Steeler fans, and, and it all for them it okay. always loops back on Mike. You Tomlin, have more right? Steelers fans than I do, probably. It, it, you know, it's, it's it all loops back on Mike Tomlin, and why can't he? You know, he's got to win in the playoffs. Oh, no winning, no losing seasons. That's great. Win in the playoffs. I do think that same sense of dissatisfaction exists in both fan bases, in that it's get me a championship, get me a championship, get me a championship, and it's been longer for Steeler fans. For Penguin fans. I think, and this is the way I look at it. I don't know if a lot of fans agree with me or not, um, but it's more about just get me back to one more dance with these guys. I just want to see these guys on that level just one more time before they hang them up. And I think Sid's going to play a lot longer than any of us anticipate, but I don't think Gino or even uh, Chris Letang are, are meant to play much hockey beyond the age of 40. I think Sid will play till he's 45 if his body allows him to. Um, but it's it's just get me one more with these guys together. Um, and it's it, it because the cups are more recent, I think there's a little bit more, a little bit more passive uh, aggression from Penguin fans about that than Steeler fans who are just out and out. We deserve Super Bowls. Um I, I think with Penguin fans, it has become, come on, you guys can do it. I know you can do it. Let's just get, come on, just get me back there one more time. Just one more time. Um, and so I think that it, it is interesting, though, that, you know, the, the apathy and whether this is enough to break the ice of that early in the year. I don't know. I think that's a good question that we'll see kind of play itself out over the first, you know, six to eight to ten home games. Well, I, I don't think fans should expect the world from Carlson until the second half of the season. I think we've seen over the last, you know, how many years, especially, you know, defensemen from whom a lot is expected or required, there is an adjustment process. You can know the system pretty well or, you know, have a good training camp. But when the real games start and things mm -hmm. are at 110% speed, knowing where those guys are going to be just instinctively takes a, a little bit of time. And, and Penguins fans are going to have to steal themselves to understand that Eric Carlson will, in fact, turn the puck over occasionally, too. <laughs> you think Latang turns the puck over? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Carlson's no better. You know, this is, you know, it's it's the it's the curse of the number one defenseman who is really good offensively. You're going to see turnovers. And yep. so all of those, those things. And here's a scenario to run past you to keep an eye on as the Penguins progress this season. If it goes as swimmingly as you kind of seem to think and, and I, I do think it's possible. Uh, an Eastern Conference final of Pittsburgh versus Toronto. Oh, my. Oh, my. Wouldn't that be something? Can you imagine the media circus? No. 
Kyle Dubas would need a, a phalanx of armed guards with him at all times if he traveled north of the border for those games. It would be it would be, oh, it would be great theater though. That's oh, my good. that that's that's what I'm hoping. That's what I will now spend the next uh, eight months or so pining for. Is, You're welcome. Is is a Penns Leafs. Eastern Conference Final. Dan, thanks so much for making some time. I know we had to juggle schedules with things moving around, but I appreciate you making it happen. We will do it again soon, my friend. Enjoy what hopefully for the next four weeks or so should be a little bit of a quiet time before training camp opens next month. I appreciate you jumping on to talk Carlson and where the pens go from here now that he's actually a part of the mix. Thanks again, man. Always a pleasure, Chris. A lot of questions, a lot of sort of abstract esoteric questions there from Dan about where not just this team goes in 2023-24, but where the fan base goes and just what kind of level of satisfaction is necessary for those of us who watch this team every day to feel satisfied uh, in the Eric Carlson deal being enough, right? What will, what will make us, when we look back on the Eric Carlson trade in Four years. It's the summer of 2027. And perhaps Evgeny Malkin has decided to hang him up, maybe even Chris Letang. And Sid says, well, I'm going to go on a year-to-year basis now. This is all just, an, for instance, I'm building up in my head, hypothetical. Uh, but four summers from now, when we look back on the Eric Carlson trade, will it have been worth it? That's the question for you and I now. Maybe we can discuss it as the summer continues, as we rapidly approach training camp and the start of the regular season in two months training camp just a month from now or so, what will be a quality payoff in your mind? Is it a, does it have to be a Stanley Cup? Can it merely be a trip to the Cup final? Does it have to be multiple trips to the Cup final and at least one victory? Does it just have to be, just get me back to the conference finals. Just get me within sniffing distance of the Cup again. Uh, what is the baseline for success for the Eric Carlson deal? Or since it was just an absolute fleecing, do you look at it and say, oh, it's a success already because they got Granlin and Petrie off the books and everything else is gravy from here on out. That'll be interesting to see. Leave it in the comments on YouTube if you're watching the show there uh, or just tweet it to me at the Chris Mack on Twitter. Your expectations now that the Carlson deal is complete and you know what this team is going to look like going into next year. When you look back on it four years from now, what will have you looking back on the Carlson deal as a success or flip side of the coin. What will have you looking back on the Carlson deal as a failure worth talking about as the conversation continues. Like I said, a little more than a month until training camp opens out in Cranberry uh, about two months, almost exactly until the regular season opens. So it's going to be here before you know it, make sure you're subscribed to fifth Avenue face off right now told you how to do it earlier. Quick rundown again. If you're listening in your Odyssey app, go up into the upper right-hand corner, see those three little dots, tap on them. Make sure you're following Fifth Avenue Faceoff. You'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're following, again, and listening and rating and reviewing. We appreciate all of those. And if you prefer the visual component with this mug, really? But hey, if you prefer the visual component, by all means, YouTube, 93.7 The Fan, Tap that little notification bell, and you will be told as soon as new clips are added to the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, including entire episodes of this here show, 
Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack. We will do it again soon, like I said, as training camp approaches. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe again to Fifth Avenue Faceoff.